0: Welcome. We are so glad you've joined us today. Are you ready for another Basar Christian Church podcast? Let's get straight into it. You to be seated. So good to be with you. If you're follow the type us following on actual Bible, um, Luke chapter 23. Um, if not, we've created some very easy to follow along with slides. It's so good to be here. Uh, with our Harvey Bay family in White Bay region, it was an honor to be here during the day and talk about psychology and anxiety and theology and all of those things. And uh, Ross and Mary, just amazing pastors. And uh, just the, seriously, I mean, 21 years, just an amazing, amazing thing. And um, just, just great. As, as Pastor Ross said, we do have a resource table at the back. Um, 100% of the profit from that we give to the poor and the afflicted. Um, And so uh, if you come back, let me resource you, you can resource us uh, to help us feed, close, shelter, educate mentally handicapped kids in China and get girls out of sex trafficking in Cape Town. As Pastor Ross said, uh, would you please, uh, if you know me, you know I'm not a high maintenance person, I'm not full of nonsense, I'm not anti-relational, Um, I'm really down to earth and easy going, but tonight I do have to drive all the way back to Brisbane because there's something going on tomorrow that I have to be a part of. So, um, so if you, if you would be so kind, five or 10 minutes, please, if you could come by, if you don't want anything, God bless you. I'll see you next time. But if you know you're going to grab something, if you would do that very quickly, that would really help. That would really help me out. So I want, I want to talk to you about Jesus tonight. I get to open the Bible, and I want to talk about one aspect of Jesus um, that really moves me, and I, I, w- I hope it moves you. Because when you open the Scripture, you want Jesus to get bigger, the cross to work better, yeah. the resurrection to be central. And scriptures to get bigger, not smaller. And the way you do that is you ask at least two questions one, what happened? And two, more importantly, what's happening in me right now because of what happened? So I wanna open a familiar story. It's a famous story, it's probably one we've looked at. I don't know, hundreds of times, depending on how long you've been following Christ. But maybe uh, we haven't looked at it from a certain perspective. And I want to maybe look at that, not because it's writer, but because uh, I love the way the rabbis say it. The rabbis say that the scriptures are like a 70-fasted diamond, and it depends on how you turn it as to how the light reflects through it. And great teachers always lead, leave people with more questions than answers because you want to invoke discussion and exploration. That's what I'm hoping to do. And because um, if, if I can get you talking about the scriptures uh, instead of uh, rugby or something, I, I think, I, I, think that's, I think that's good. All right, so if you could bring that up, this is Luke 23. This is the account of, of Jesus' trial. Then the whole assembly rose and led him off to Pilate. And uh, they began to accuse him, saying, Well, we found this man subverting our nation. He opposes the payment of taxes to Caesar and he claims to be Messiah, which, by the way, in our world means he's claiming to be king. So this, story, this story doesn't make a whole lot of sense, actually. Um, you've got the head honcho of the entire region willing to get out of bed in the middle of the night to hear one complaint about one guy. Uh, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. That'd be like you showing up at Palaszczuk's house, knocking on her door, and saying, we got a problem with this guy, and she's like, well, come on in. Like, how long would it take to get a case to the Supreme Court of Queensland? A long time and very expensive. But on this night... In the middle of the night, they knock on Pilate's door, and he's awake to handle one complaint about one guy. That's first. Second, notice they don't, they don't accuse him of being a sinner or blasphemous. They, they, why would Pilate even care about that? They accuse him of treason. Hey, he's opposing the payments of taxes to Caesar, and he's using the word Messiah. And you don't know what that means in our world. That means he's claiming to be king, bro, right? So Pilate's got to take this seriously. So Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? And he, You've said so. I love Jesus's chillness. Like, I'm, you know, you're starting with your flag in the ground, man. I'll let you have it. No worries. You can, you can have that. Next slide. Then Pilate announced to the chief priest in the crowd, I don't find a basis to charge this guy. I've heard people use that scripture to make a case Jesus was sinless. That, this is not the scripture to use for that. As if Pilate knew what this is not about Jesus' sinfulness or sinlessness. This is about Pilate going, you're accusing him of being a rabble rouser, and he's seeming to be a person of peace to me. Government oppressive sort of resistance people, they don't normally look like this guy. This guy is looking like a person of peace. But why? Jesus, but they insisted. No, no, no. He stirs up people all over the place in Judea by his teaching. He started in Galilee, he's come all the way here. On hearing this, Pilate asked if the man was a Galilean. When he learned that Jesus was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at that time. What a strange story. Stories like this make me have questions. If I have questions, I'm assuming you have questions. So I'm going to let you in on a few of the questions I ask, and maybe they're the same questions you ask, and then we can explore it together. Like, next slide. Like, if Jesus' main message was to believe in him to go to heaven one day, why kill him for that? Imagine that. Hey, Pilate's guys telling people they believe in him. They can go somewhere else when they die. That's not worth killing somebody over. Like, why would you kill him for that? And if Jesus' main message was take care of the poor, Hey, those of you who have, share with those of you who don't. Why is that worth killing a guy? Over And third question, why not just kill him yourself? If you want him dead so bad, it's not like there wasn't some sort of underground contingent of, of shady Jews in Jerusalem who could have lured him behind the local deli or something and, and just sort of ended his life. No, no, no. Why are, why are they using Rome to do their Dirty work, of course, the answer to that is is Jesus was incredibly popular amongst the common people in Israel who were under the oppressive regime of a Roman occupation. They couldn't, that's why they had to do this in the middle of the night. They didn't, they couldn't have all these people upset. Next slide. And why are both Herod and Pilate in Jerusalem? That's weird. Herod and Pilate are in Jerusalem when they both lived in Caesarea? that doesn't make any sense. And why is Pilate handing him off to Herod? Because he's evidently under that jurisdiction. There's all kinds of stuff going on here. And I'd like to explore that with you and ultimately explore how we can be more like Christ in our world. What does this teach us about this? So to understand this, we got to understand next slide, the rule of Rome. All right. So here's just a brief history lesson on what's going on here. That's going to make the story Come alive to us. So the, the world at this time is ruled by a group of people called the Caesars. Uh, the first Caesar was a guy named Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar successfully conquered most of the known world, and, and he also invented the salad. He was an amazing sort of guy. He, 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 claimed, to be, he claimed to be God in flesh. Um, so the Roman historian Virgil said, pay close attention to this language, this will sound familiar. The Roman historian Virgil said that in the fullness of God was found Caesar, and in no other name on earth by which men can be saved other than the name of caesar does that language sound familiar they they inscribed his mightiest deeds on stone tablets all over the empire and they called it the gospel of caesar the good news of caesar hey if caesar if god is coming and ruling your world man that's good news of course jesus's presence himself is an in-your-face confrontation to this Jesus' presence was if god was actually a man he wouldn't look like that he wouldn't be raping oppressing and pillaging 99 percent of the world to enrich the one percent he'd be lifting the lowly to the level of the elite he'd be canceling the class system are you kidding me what kind of jacked up image of god do you have to have to believe if god actually became a man he would look like that guy God, if God actually became a man, he'd look like this. There's this stuff going on. So Julius Caesar claims to be God, and in 44 B.C. he dies. He dies by getting stabbed in the back by his best friend, a guy named Brutus. Well, this sort of hurt his God claims. The idea is is that if you were actually God, you probably should have saw that coming. Right? And so at 44 B.C., at Julius Caesar's funeral, a strange star appeared in the sky. Roman historians said that this star was so bright and so big, it lit up the day and night sky for seven days. Now, we know today what it was. We know it was a comet that came so close to Earth, it lit up the day and night sky and shot across. They've actually named the comet Caesar's Comet. Have you ever heard the song It's Caesar's Comet? Right? It's it's that. Now, in our world, there's astronomers that can take iPads and tell you where Caesar's Comet is in the universe. Back then, can you imagine being some sort of primitive dude that's never seen a telescope and you're at the funeral of a Guy who claimed to be God and suddenly a strange star appears in the sky and shoots across the night sky, you would think all kinds of things. So Julius Caesar's great nephew was a guy named Octavius. Octavius saved Julius Caesar once from behind enemy lines in a place called Gaul. And so Julius Caesar adopted him as his adopted son and made him the heir to the throne. So, Julius, so, so Octavius, who took on the name Caesar Augustus, said, See, that proves my dad is God. And if my dad is God, he is now taking his seat amongst the council of the gods. And if my dad is God, that makes me the son of God. And if I'm the son of God, I should be worshipped. So, Caesar Augustus instituted a 12-day celebration of his birth. It lasted from December 19th to December 31st every year. And he called that celebration advent it was called the advent of caesar augustus they also changed new year's day to coincide with the last day of the celebration of his birth have you ever wondered why new year's day is january 1st when it doesn't coincide with anything solar or lunar this is why caesar augustus changed new year's day to be the last day of the celebration of his birth because after all he's god in Flesh on the first day of Christmas. All right, so you've got all of this stuff going on. Now, there was a guy named Herod. Now, Herod um, took Julius Caesar's side in a civil war between Julius Caesar and Pompeii. That was a good move because Julius Caesar won the civil war and then awarded Herod with a token kingdom of Israel. Herod dies in 4 BC. And in 4 BC, Caesar Augustus awards Herod's loyalty by rewarding his sons with three regions of Israel. He gave his son Philip the north, Herod Antipas the middle region of Galilee, and then the south to a guy named Archelaus. Archelaus was Herod the Great's son. And so Archelaus makes a right mess of things. Um, Philip um, is just this guy. Have you, have you ever noticed that Caesarea Philip? is in the north of Israel, right? Literally a city built for Caesar by Philip. This guy is a brown noser like you can't believe. Herod Antipas is in charge of the Galilean region. Herod Antipas is called the fox. Remember in Luke 13, they say, hey, Herod's looking for an opportunity to kill you. And Jesus said, you tell that fox exactly where I am. Archelaus was in the south. Archelaus made such a mess of Judea that Caesar banished him to Gaul and replaced him in 22 AD with a guy named Pilate. Yes, that Pilate. So when Pilate finds out that Jesus is a Galilean, he's got a problem. What do you do when a Galilean who's under Herod's jurisdiction is finding himself in Jerusalem, which is under Pilate's jurisdiction, and Pilate doesn't want to cross Herod. So they start handing him to each other. Oh, by the way, Pilate was known as the eagle. We'll talk about that in just a second. So can you see where when Jesus said things like foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man doesn't have a place to lay his head? This is an in-your-face confrontation to the Roman occupying military oppression. Now, how do you get word from Spain to India that you're God in flesh? How do you get word? There's no printing press. There's no Internet. there's no social media town criers are highly unreliable how do you get word from Spain to India anything well in those days there were wars and rumors of wars and if you lived in a rural community you had to worry about whether you what you were hearing was fake news are real news. Now we're so technologically advanced today, we don't have to worry about that at all. We know that everything we read on the internet is facts because there's all these checkers. Back then they had to wonder. So Rome said, here's how you know if it's real news. If it's on the money, it's real because we control the minting of money. So what they did is they used the coins as the breaking news of the day. And the rule was, is if a coin came to Harvey Bay and it was new, you're supposed to call all of Harvey Bay together and read the coin. So Caesar Augustus has to get word around the empire that he is God in flesh. And this has been verified by big stars appearing in the sky so he mints it on money let me show you the coin here it is that's the caesar augustus star coin you can see that caesar augustus on the left and a big old giant star on the tail side and around that in latin that says god our savior caesar augustus God, our Savior, with a big, giant star. Remember the Christmas story when it says wise men from the east came and asked Herod, who has been born king of the Jews, for we have seen his star? In other words, your guy's got a star, our guy's got a star. And it says all of Jerusalem was disturbed by this. Of course they were. If word got around that someone was there to challenge Caesar, he might send the army in and start killing everybody. This is unbelievable. So Pilate, next slide. So Pilate was known as the eagle. This is why. This is a Roman aquila. A Roman aquila was a big giant eagle on a stick. Okay? An eagle on the top of a flagstick was the universal sign of military dominance when you're occupying another country. It's used today by a certain superpower in the world. Well, let's see. Can you see? Alright, so you, you've got that. It was also, it was also used by the Nazis. Remember when Hitler would march in? They had the flags with those big birds on sticks, so it right? Right? So the bird on a stick, and this was called an Aquila. So the question is, why was Pilate even in Jerusalem, and why was Herod in Jerusalem? The answer was, this was Passover. Well, what happened was, is that Caesar said to Pilate, I need you to keep that area under control. Your whole job is make sure those Jews don't riot. Make sure they stop all their rioting and silly Messiah talk. We've got to get all of this now, if you go back and read the story, how consumed is Pilate with people not rioting? I mean, that was his only job. And so Caesar gave him a big old mansion on the Mediterranean Sea of Caesarea. He goes, but make sure they don't riot, which leads me to Passover. Passover is a yearly celebration where everybody gets together and sings songs about God's will to rescue them from the oppressor. Well, in this story, who's the oppressor? Rome, can you imagine 300,000 Jews in one place singing songs about God's will to deliver them from you, right? Nothing says riot like this. And, and, and like, could you imagine if 200,000 people of another religion gathered in the center of Harvey Bay singing songs about their God's will to rescue them from you, you would be unnerved by this, right? And so Passover, it's 300,000 Jews singing songs about God's will to deliver us from the oppressor. And by the way, the oppressor is you. So Pilate always came to Jerusalem at Passover. Why? To make sure they don't riot. And how did he do it? He had the largest war horse in the Calvary. And he would come in with a platoon of soldiers riding this giant war horse and holding that aquila and here's what would happen he would find groups of people singing he would stop and he would hold the aquila out and the rule was when he held that aquila out you had to stop singing and acknowledge the only reason you're allowed to sing is because rome let you sing as a matter of fact herod the great in 30 bc To show his allegiance to Rome, put a giant eagle over the top of the temple and declared, even our God bows to the authority of Rome. Four overzealous rabbi students climbed the pole and tore the eagle down, and they burned them alive. This is not just a story about the forgiveness of sins. This is a story about Jesus's intent to engage whatever is oppressing you here, now, today. Whatever is enslaving you here, now, today. This isn't just about the forgiveness of sins. This is about Jesus' in-your-face confrontation to whatever eagle is on a stick over our lives. It's about the guilt, it's about the anger, it's about the anxiety, it's about the addiction, it's about that thing that we go to bed tonight and, and whatever that is, is say, hey, sing whatever you want. You just sang for 40 minutes in church. Sing whatever you want. But you know and I know when you lay your head down at night, I'm in charge of you. This story is not simple. About the forgiveness of sins which we embrace. It is also about an intent to set us free from every eagle on a stick out there. Why is Pilate even there? Well, it's Passover, and he's there with his war horse and his big giant eagle on a stick to make sure he keeps control. Next slide. So here's a map. It's a very rustic map of Jerusalem, but it'll work. As you can see, the temple's right there in the middle. And Pilate. See the F up there? See where it says first century Jerusalem? See the F? Pilate lived like at the corner of the roof, at the peak of the roof, right? And he would come down on his war horse through the F, and then he would. there's a valley there on the left side of that F. That valley's called Gehenna, which in our Bibles gets translated hell. He comes down on his war horse through hell, and then there was a gate there where the military lived, and it was called the Gates of? <clears> hmm. <throat> so he so the gates of hell were not. OK, so Pilate comes down on his war horse through the F through hell and into the city there. On the same day, there's a guy named Jesus coming into the city, but he's not riding a war horse. He's riding a yes. And he's coming in on the other side from Bethpage. So Bethpage is about where that compass is. And he would come through the Mount of Olives. So the Mount of Olives is, is in this left portion here. And then into the temple, right? So the Mount of Olives is unbelievable. Let me just go ahead and set you free. Mount of Olives, there ain't a whole lot of olives. The Mount of Olives is the world's biggest cemetery. <laughs> Let me show it to you. I've been there. Let me, next, that's, that's the Mount of Olives. <laughs> just millions of gravestones. That's Malachi's tomb there at the bottom. That's Zachariah's tomb. Up at the top there in that dome is Micah's tomb. And, and there's, there's a road that goes down the Mount of Olives. So Jesus rides his donkey down the road that goes down the Mount of Olives. Well, hang on. If you're in the middle of a cemetery, what is a cemetery full of? Stones. Everybody say that with me. Ready? Go. Stones. So Jesus comes down the Bethpage through Bethsaida, through the Mount of Olives cemetery where there's lots of? Stones. stones. There's lots of there's heaps of stones. And the reason is, is they charge people a premium to be buried on the Mount of Olives because they taught that when God finally establishes his kingdom on the earth, there'd be a resurrection and everybody would establish the kingdom from Jerusalem. So the idea was, is that if you're buried in the Mount of Olives, you have the shortest walk into the city. It's this thing, right? right? Now, now you, you can't bury people in the ground there. It's too hard. So let me show you next slide. So there's a up close, it's just, it looks like hundreds of thousands of those above ground stones stone things. And they, the bodies are in there. They're sleeping. And then and then when the resurrection happens, everybody's supposed to, this is what they thought. And so when Jesus comes down the road that goes down the Mount of Olives, I can tell you right there, I'm standing on that road. And that's what he would have seen. Lots and lots of those stones. Next slide. So just as a review, Pilate comes from the ceiling through the F, through hell, riding a War Horse, Pilot comes through the Mount of Olive Cemetery where there's heaps of stones and he's riding a donkey. Now that is the best I can do at telling the geopolitical and social history of this time in an entertaining and timely way. <sighs> Let's see if that history lesson helps us with the story. N- next slide. This is Luke 21. Each day Jesus was teaching at the temple. Yep. And each evening he went out and spent the night on a hill called the Mount of Olives. What's right there? And if you want some alone time, nothing gets you solitude like camping out between the gravestones. Imagine, Where's Jesus? We need him right now. Well, bro, he's camping out between the dead people. You'd like to go have a chat. No, we'll see him in the morning. And all the people came early in the morning to hear him at the temple. Next one. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. And the Mount of Olives is a cemetery. And in a cemetery, there's a lot of? St- yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you at once and you'll find a donkey tied there. Uh, and untie them, bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he'll send them right away this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet anytime a new testament author says that you got to ask a question which prophet who's he quoting right here's what it says say to daughter zion see your king is coming to you gentle and riding on a donkey on a colt.' the full. Fo- in other words if god was actually a man and became king he wouldn't be elevating himself and using his power to oppress people he would be humble and serving the world It's just two different things now in hebrew this is called a remez a remez is a hint or an allusion to something common remezes in the new testament are incomplete quotations of prophecies the reason they would do that is they would know the people hearing it would complete the prophecy in their head right it's sort of like this if a military took over harvey bay and made it illegal let's say they successfully took all the bibles no bibles no more bibles and let's say they succeeded no bibles absolutely no bibles and they made it illegal to quote the bible right um what was what would be the one thing they couldn't take from you your memory and they don't know the bible right but you don't want to make it too obvious so what you would do is you'd go hey remember for god so loved the world that he and then in your head you'd go he gave his only begotten son you wouldn't do it out loud you get caught so you would hey hey remember all things work together for the good of those who love god right so the jews did this all the time they were oppressed by a military occupation this is what's happening here. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. See, your king is coming to you, gentle in riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Which leads to this question. What's the rest of it? Oh, Zechariah. Next slide. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king is coming to you, righteous and victorious, lowly in riding on a donkey. On a colt. Does that sound familiar? The foal of a donkey. Here's the next line. Next slide. And I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem. And the battle bow will be broken. And he'll proclaim peace to the nations. And his rule will extend from sea to sea and from a river to the ends of the earth. In other words, when you see the guy coming in on a donkey, that's the beginning of the end of the guy on the war horse. And as a matter of fact, the only reason we know the guy on the war horse's name is because of the guy on the donkey. Is tied to them. Using our power to oppress people never wins long term. This is in your. Can you see why Matthew doesn't quote the whole thing? He's partial to living. <laughs> <laughs> but he knows the people, they'll, 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 they'll complete. Here, here, next slide. Here, here's... When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, road goes down the Mount of Olives, that's in a cemetery. A cemetery's full of. Oh, yes. And the whole crowd of disciples we had joyfully to praise God in loud voices. Blessed is the king. Hang on a second. If you've got a group of people singing about a new king, who's coming into town on the other side of town that if he hears that, you're all going to die? Pilate. This is bad timing. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven. And glory to God in the highest. Well, if you're hearing that and you're partial to living, you're going to tell people to hush for a minute, right? Like, bro, chill. Wait seven days. They'll be gone, right? Seriously, the guy on the war horse, if he hears this, we're all going to die. You know, sing about a new king at some other time. We don't want him to think we're rioting, right? Blessed is the king. And they tell Jesus, you got to shut these people up. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said, Rabbi, rebuke your disciples. I tell you the truth, he said. If they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Where is he? He's in a cemetery. What's in a cemetery? Oh, yeah. Yes. This is not a message about if you quit singing, the road will scream. That's weird. Jesus is in a cemetery. In other words, it's my time, and either you're with me, or we'll have a resurrection. I camp out with these people. They like me. <laughs> Either you're with me, or it'll be a bad episode of The Walking Dead. You choose. If you keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Next slide. So Pilate comes up from the corner there, and through the F, through hell, riding a war horse. Jesus comes through Bethpage, through the Mount of Olive Cemetery, where there's heaps of stones and he's riding a donkey next slide so what does this mean for us like you might be thinking Shane nice history lesson mildly entertaining um a little funny I learned a bit thank you so what this is 2022 in Harvey Bay What does this teach us about Jesus at all? Listen, no matter what you know about the Bible, if you can't apply it to urge more Christ-likeness today, hold it till you can. I think this story illustrates something remarkably inspiring about Jesus. I think if the definition of a Christian is to imitate Christ, which it is, the definition of Christianity is not to be doctrinally correct, It's not to be right about politics, climate change, sex, theology, health, or any of those other things. It's not to be right about end times. Being a Christian is about seeing the world how Jesus saw the world, seeing God how Jesus saw God, and applying scripture the way Jesus applied scripture, which he called fulfilling scripture by doing unto others as you would have them do unto you. And what does this story teach us about what it means to be an imitator of Christ? I think this story teaches us heaps about our primary image of God. If your primary image of God is some warrior who uses his power to destroy people, that will inform the way we live. We become what we worship, as Psalm 135 says, Ezekiel 4, and the great theologian G.K. Beale, who says, we create God in our own image and then we become what we worship. If God is a God that uses his power to hurt people, you'll justify using your power to hurt people. If God's a God that hoards resources and doesn't help people, then you'll justify hoarding resources and not helping people. If God is a God that tortures people, you'll justify being someone who tortures people because that's just what it means to be like God. But what if God was like Jesus, exactly like Jesus? What if God had always been like Jesus? We did not know that, but now we do. What does this teach us? I think it teaches us that... There's two ways to build your life. There's always two ways to build your life, and it's your choice. You could, uh, no, sorry, go back. There's two ways to build your life as a ruling empire or a humble servant. There's two ways. There's two ways to be a boss. You can rule, or you can use your power and resources to make everybody around you better. You can always serve. There's two ways. There's two ways. There's two ways to shop for groceries when someone cuts you in the express lane. And you can clearly count that they have 16 items in a 15-item thing. There's two ways. We can use our power to hurt them. Or we can be like Christ and prefer them. There's two ways. There's two ways to build your life as an oppressor or as a liberator. We can use our power and energy and the narrative of our life can, use, can tell the narrative of the beast who uses his power and energy to hurt people, or we can use our power, energy, and resources to liberate folks and set them free. There's two ways. There's two ways to build your life from the gates of hell or from the house of God. The question is, are we bringing hell to our world or are we bringing heaven? Does our life smell like a hot, rotten garbage dump? or does our life bring the sweet incense of the presence of God to our world there's two ways the easiest way to remember tonight is simply this there's two ways to build your life as a warhorse or as a donkey there's two ways there's two ways to shop for groceries warhorse or donkey there's two ways to line up at the ampole for fuel you can be a war horse. You can be a donkey. There's two ways. There's two ways to be a wife. Two ways to be a husband. There's two ways to drive to Brisbane in road works where no one's working. <laughs> Never seen anything like it. 50 Ks of 40 K an hour, which would be okay if anyone was working. Not one soul. <laughs> road work speed limits monitored good where is everybody (laughs) there's two ways let's be specific about it next slide there's two ways to handle conflict you can be a war horse my way or the highway you can call them out on the internet hurt people permanently for a temporary issue are you kidding me all in the name of christ In the name of Christ, no. That looks like Caesar, not Jesus. That looks like Pilate, not Christ. Dividing relationship over a doctrinal difference on the internet. What is wrong? In the name of Jesus, please. It's in the name of Caesar. Call it what it is. You're saying Jesus, but it looks a whole lot like Caesar. There's two ways to handle conflict. Let's say it this way. There's two ways to deal with tragedy. There's worse there's always donkey or there's two ways to run your business my way or the highway there's war Horse. of course those employees will steal from you but you get up underneath your employees and make them better they'll serve you there's two ways to do it let's say it this way next one there's two ways to lead your ministry war Horse. i am the man of god here people follow the king what a weird view of the king That is a king, Caesar. But if Jesus is a king, and he is, he's a lowly king, a humble king. One that asks, how can I use my vast resources to serve the whole thing? There's two ways to run your ministry. You can be a war horse. I am the man of God here, my way or the highway. There's always a donkey where you use your energy, your power and your resources to serve your people. There's two ways. There's two ways to raise your family. There's two ways to be a wife. War Horse. There's two ways to handle it when your husband leaves his underwear on the floor for the 18,000th time. There's War Horse. Pick up your underwear, you stupid idiot. (laughs) Which I find ironic that you would insult the intelligence of a man that you would fully expect to die for you if an intruder came in the house tonight over a pair of underwear. It's pretty short-sighted. There's always donkey. Oh, look, the sweet, intelligent, responsible man of integrity and father of my children has left his nasty stinking underwear on the ground. But you know, he would gladly die for all of us if an intruder came in. So I'll pick that up and call that even There's <laughs> always donkey now you men pick up your nasty underwear and light a match every now and then and you're disgusting there's two ways to be a husband Two ways to handle it when your wife falls asleep too early for your liking. People say, Shane, be real. How's that? There's two ways. There's warhorse. Get up! I have needs. Which always gets met with an amazing response. You know? There's always donkey. Oh. The sweet, beautiful mother of my children is tired. <laughs> Why don't we let her rest? There's two ways to parent. Control. Dominate your children. Make them forget what it's... You, people say, oh, man, they need to get... A five-year-old should have one job. Have fun. Be respectful. Teach them, train them. But my gosh, there's two ways to parent. You can war horse it. All in the name of Jesus. You realize how possible it is to say Jesus but look like Caesar? How we rule is either Jesus or Caesar. And I don't care if you say Jesus. I care if it looks like Caesar. Wow. There's two ways to handle it when someone cuts you off in traffic on Boat Harbor Drive over there. Two ways. Say, not on my watch. There's a war horse. You can pull up beside him. Point your finger at the sky. <laughs> Call them number one. Speed around them with a fish on a car. And a bumper sticker. Follow me to Bayside Christian Church. <laughs> Jesus saves. Love wins. There's warhorse. There's always donkey. There's, oh, there's people in a hurry. (laughs) Maybe where they're going is more important than where I'm going. Preferring people better than yourselves is a central tenet of looking like Jesus in the world. It's always donkey. There's two ways to deal with disappointment, there's two ways to handle it when you don't get your way, there's two ways to handle it when the waitress takes too long to take your order. There's wars! Get over here. You can insult her intelligence, of maybe a single mom that's working two jobs, just trying to provide ends meet for a family. And you can afford to have someone else prepare us food and oppress the woman there to serve? Come on. There's always donkey. A way to uphold them and restore dignity. There's two ways to handle it when you disagree about a belief. There's wars! or there's donkey. My brothers and sisters, the world is tired of people who say they love Jesus, but when you look at their life, they don't love much of anything else. They say Jesus, but it looks a whole lot like Caesar. This story inspires me. A guy who's innocent being charged in the middle of the night by a guy who uses his power to oppress. And there's a direct confrontation. What's going to work and what's going to change the world? And what this story shows us is war horse thinking never changes the world. It's donkey thinking that changes the world. It's people who use their power to serve instead of oppress. So let's pray together. I don't want us to be quiet before the Lord and I want to pray a couple of prayers. First prayer, and if you'll pray this with me, that'll be great. I'll tell you what it is before I pray it. That way, I'm not manipulating you. (laughs) Lord Jesus, may no one ever reject you because of how I presented you. If you're willing to pray that prayer with me softly under your breath, Lord Jesus, may no one ever reject you because of how I presented you. I feel I'm having a bit of a word of knowledge right now. So um, I feel like there's some marriages that could be uh, intervened in right now. So if you're sitting close to your spouse, if you just grab them by the hand or touch their leg, or if if you're fighting right now, just use your pinky and touch their leg. It's fine. (laughs) It's okay. And I want us to pray a prayer quietly. First for the wives. Holy Spirit, is there any place I've been a war horse to my husband this week? if my son married a woman like me would i be happy for him it's a great prayer if my son married a woman like me would i be happy for him and if there's any place you've been a war horse and you'd like to make it right i just want you to squeeze their hand and you husbands i don't want you to make them talk about it just accept that as i'll never be perfect but i'm going to do my best Please forgive me. You husbands, Holy Spirit, is there any place I've been a war horse this week? If my daughter married a man like me, would I be happy for her? And if not, it's time to change. And if you recognize that and you wanna make that right, just squeeze your wife's hand, touch her leg, whatever. You ladies, don't make them talk about it. Don't make them revisit the whole thing. Just accept that as an apology We're never going to be perfect. We're going to do our best. Is there any place we've been war horses when we're called to be like Christ and build our life on the back of a donkey? Amen. Would you look this way? Thank you so much for being part of your life. I hope Jesus just got bigger, the cross worked better, the resurrection is central, and scripture's got bigger, not smaller. I bless you to know that Jesus has entrusted us with how people see him in this world. So may we present the best picture possible. May no one ever reject Jesus because of how we presented him. So whether it's wifing or husbanding or bossing or driving or ordering or whatever it is, may each and every one of you present Christ well in our world. May we all be given the courage and the grace to build our life on the back of a donkey, but never, ever, ever be a jackass. Grace and peace, everybody. Thank you for joining us.